Well, we've been looking at the stories of Elijah and Elisha here in the series, and uh, last week we skipped ahead uh, in the story, and we're uh, looking at how the Lord delivered Israel from the armies of the Syrians, and God showed himself strong for them as the God of the mountains, but not just the God of the mountains, but of the plains and the valleys. Now we're going to look back. We're going to jump back in, in time in the story and see how Elijah, he met Obadiah in the wilderness, but really how he led him to Ahab. And at this point in time, we're still in at that time of judgment where no rain came upon the land for three and a half years. But God is going to do a work of restoration in the land, but also in his people. He's going to restore them. He's going to do that work. And, and so let's read this in 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 17. It came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said, Are you the one that troubles Israel? Are you the one that's causing all this trouble upon Israel? That's an interesting greeting for the prophet of the Lord, you know. Elijah, you're causing all the trouble, all the drought, all the lack of food. Well, that was a bit hypocritical, of course. But, you know, the problem with, with hypocrites is they don't always see their issue. Right? They only see it in other people. And so here's Ahab saying, Elijah, you did it. Of course, that's not quite true. So this is what Elijah says in verse 18. And he answers and says, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house, and that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and you have followed Balaam. And so it was really on Ahab's part, and that's what God was coming to show. But you know, here is something interesting in that it's showing us here is the true source of trouble in the world of strife and so forth. It comes from forsaking God's ways. Forsaking God's ways. It always brings trouble. It always brings difficulty. You know, we previously mentioned what Paul said. uh, I think it was last week or the week before. I can't remember. But in Romans 3 and verse 4, Paul makes this declaration, or, or he tells us to make it, actually. He says, Yea, let God be true, and every man a liar. Let God be true, and every man a liar. Now, he's not calling us all liars. But what he's saying here is that if there's a question of whose fault is it, is it God's fault or our fault? There's only one answer. It's always our fault. There's always something we've done. There's always something we've fallen short in. And it's the idea that if there's an issue that arises, a problem arises, a calamity. You know, it's in the nature of man to look at God and say, God, why did you do this to me? Why did you cause this in my life? Of course, the implication is that we're attributing evil to God, right? Wrongdoing, like Job. Job had, he started off with really good responses, but then they kind of started to slide the longer in the trial he got until eventually it came to the place where he said, God, you're acting like an enemy towards me. God, you're my enemy. 
that's not a good place to be, not a good things to say. God, God will remind us of that later on, as he did with Job. But when in reality, God was just trying to show Job something in his heart that needed to change and be transformed. And so our response to the Lord needs to be, Lord, you are true. You are perfect. You're just. I know the problem's here. It's right in my heart. That's the first step towards repentance and deliverance from our problems, from our issues. You know, the first thing, I don't have it in my notes, but in Psalm 51, when David was repenting to the Lord, uh, before the Lord, the first thing he said, Lord, the problem is in me. It was not you, it was me. So that you can be justified. And But that was the first step for him to be set free and to be delivered from his sin. So Elijah is responding to Ahab, and he says, well, let's see. Let's see what's, what's really going on. Let's gather all Israel to Mount Carmel. Let's see what God says. And so he made a proposition. There'd be two altars. The altar to, to Baal would be built, and the prophets would make a sacrifice to Baal. And then Elijah would make a, an altar to God and a sacrifice to God. And the God who answered by fire out of heaven... He's the one to listen to. He's the one to follow. And so, you know, I guess uh, Ahab didn't see a problem with that. He'd said, well, I, I'm sure the prophets of Baal can, can come up with some fire from heaven. And so they gather together, gathers all the people. And Elijah asked them a question. And this is an important question. First Kings 18 and verse 21. And it says, Elijah came unto all the people, and he said, How long will you halt between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. And the people didn't have anything to say. Have you ever kind of like pointed something? You know, you've seen someone, you know, their sin has been pointed out, or their, what they did pointed out, and it's like they're speechless. I can't really reply to that because it's so right. And that's where Israel was. They were going between two. They wanted to be called the people of God, the children of God, children of Abraham. But yet they were also doing everything else like the world did, following the gods of the world. And that was the major problem. They hadn't rejected God or ceased to believe in him, but they had another idol. They had allowed the ways of the other nations to influence them and draw their hearts away. The, there's another translation called the CEV. I, I don't remember what that stands for. Century English version, I think, something like that. But yeah, it could be contemporary English version. Uh, but in, in verse 21, it puts it like this. Elijah stood in front of them and said, How much longer, longer will you try to have things both ways? How much longer are you going to try to do it both ways? Isn't that just like us in our nature? We like to have the best of both worlds, right? We, we want, it's like the saying, you want to have your cake and you also want to eat it, but you don't want your cake to disappear. You want both. It doesn't really work that way, right? And so, you know, you can have your cake, but there's a transition. 
You can eat your cake and you can be eating another slice and another, sometimes two slices at a time. You know, it depends on how cake, good the cake is. And you still have a cake, but at some point, that cake is going to disappear because you ate it all. But, you know, Elijah was pleading with his people, you can't go on this way forever. You must choose God and not continue in this evil way before it's too late, before all the cake is gone, and then you're in trouble. And so Elijah challenges the prophets of Baal to set up an altar with the sacrifice. And, you know, they call upon their God to see if he responds by fire coming upon the sacrifice on the altar. And they cry out for hours all morning. And uh, Elijah kind of prods them on a little bit. Where, where's your God? He must be sleeping or he's on a trip. Why, why, isn't, why isn't he responding? And they started getting desperate. They were leaping in the air, leaping on the altar, cutting themselves till the blood flowed hoping that would provoke a response from Baal, but there was no response. But this, this actually shows us kind of a sad truth, that sometimes God has to allow people to come to the end where they realize, you know, I guess this wasn't the answer that I was looking for. They, they have to go all the way to the end of the road, or almost all the way to the end of the road of the wrong way. And only then will they respond to God and say, okay, Lord, you were right from the beginning, and I wish I had followed you. Of course, one of the greatest examples of this in Scripture is the prodigal son. Right? He was a son of a good father and a good family, and but he he got ideas of what would be fun and fulfilling to him in his life. And it wasn't being at home. It was being out in where it was exciting, right? Where there's some action, things that would fulfill him. And so he said, Father, give me my inheritance. I want it all now so I can go have fun. But you know, the father did that. He allowed him to do it, realizing he was going to leave anyway. So he left him. He left with his blessing I think it was to so that he would have a way back. And the father did that, and so the son had a good time. We don't really know how long, but it must his father gave him probably a lot of money and you know, spent it until there was a change of season. Famine came in the land and his money ran out at the same time. And so he kind of got desperate. The only job he could get was with a Gentile. Not even with a Jew, but a Gentile. We kind of know that because he was feeding pigs, right? The Jews didn't really do that. Um, and he was so hungry, he was looking at the slop that the pigs were eating and said, like, oh man, that looks good. I'm that hungry. And when he did that, something, you know, something came to him. And let's read that Luke 15 and verse 17. It says, when he came to himself... He said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? They can eat all they want. And I'm dying of hunger. I'm going to rise up and go to my father. And I'm going to say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. And I'm no, worth, I'm no more worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. Now the son came to himself. All of a sudden he woke up. What have I been doing? What did I do? Look at where I am. 
And all of a sudden he realized, my father was right. Maybe I can go back. He'll have a place for me. I'll even take the lowest place in the house. If I have to wash everyone's stinky feet, I'm willing to do it and be a servant so I can get back into my father's household and submit to that. But he had to come to the end of himself. It was kind of a long road for him. Sometimes it can be a long road, you know, because we don't always like to yield right away when God's trying to deal with us. I remember a story that Pastor Paul Webb shared um, at my uh, graduation from Bible school, and he grew up on a farm, and they would often bring their cattle back in to the barn, um, and sometimes they would have an ornery cow that didn't want to come back in. I'm sure, I'm sure you're familiar with that, you know, having ornery cows that don't want to obey. And, and, and he said his father's solution was kind of interesting. You know, they didn't be in there taking the cows, and they'd look out the door, and they'd see the cow running full speed past the, the door and be like, oh. and then they'd see his dad on the tractor chasing the cow. And then the cow would come back running again. And there comes his dad on the tractor running and he would just be chasing the cow all around the yard until that cow got so tired. He's like, okay, I'll go in. And he went into the barn. That's how you take care of an ordinary cow, I guess. But you know, sometimes we can be like that with God. We can be a bit stubborn. We don't even realize it. That we want our own will and our own way. And God speaks to us many times. He'll speak with his still small voice. He'll speak in sermons or he'll speak as we're reading the Bible and something jumps out to us. Oh yeah, I need to deal with that in my life. Yeah, it says that there. Maybe later. You know, we keep going on our way. And so what does God have to do? He's got to orchestrate situations, difficulties that chase us, that move us, that, you know, provoke us or so forth. They get our attention and they're kind of like we're getting chased by a tractor and just till we get, you know, tired out and tired out and we can't do it in our own strength anymore. And we have to say, okay, Lord, I surrender. I'll go into the barn. I'll submit to your ways. Well, that's the only that we just needed to come to that place in the beginning. You see, he wants to bring us to that place of surrender. And so Elijah declared to them, how long will you halt between two opinions? If the Lord is God, serve him. And we have that choice. And, you know, it sure is easy for the, for the first group of cows. They just go in and they have dinner. They have some nice silage, right? They, nice place to eat. They don't have to get warmed out. They're in that snug and that nice barn and, and so forth with other cows just getting chased back and forth. But you know, God wants to move in our lives. He's calling us to his presence. He's calling us to a place of strength and victory. That's what the barn represents. It's victory. It's protection. It's a covering all the good food we can eat in the Spirit. Well, let's look at what Elijah does next after the prophets have exhausted themselves. He says in 1 Kings 18 and verse 30, Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. Gather round. 
And all the people came nearer to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. You know, this really shows us the heart of God. After all the running and the chasing and exhausting, God's call is, come near. Come near unto me. I'm going to rebuild. I'll redo the work of God in your lives. You know, he desires us to come near. But it's only when we've come to the end of ourselves that we can really come near unto God. And he enables us to repair what's broken down, to build anew in our lives, to build new things, to bring new life, to bring us to a higher place. And that's his desire. That's what he wants to do in these days. He wants to restore his church. You know, there's a lot of circumstances in the days that are coming, that we're coming into, right? We can read the Bible and talk about the, the end times and we realize there's difficulties coming. But, you know, it's really designed to bring people to the end of themselves. To realize, you know, all the stuff I've been seeking after, that's not enough. I need God. He's my source of strength in life. And I need to come to Him and obey Him and He'll meet with me. And so God will bring situations into our lives and then He says, come near. Let me show you what I can do. And He meets with us. But we first need to be a people who come near unto Him and there's that thought that in coming near, there's that surrender. That yielding to Him. We have to be led by Him. You know, we've talked about the, the, the cows, but we're also the sheep of His pasture. And He leads us as the Good Shepherd, calling us unto Him to good pasture. And, you know, there's that balance to this thought of approaching unto God. And, you know, in one sense, only God allows someone to come unto Him. John six forty four. No man can come unto me except the Father which has sent me draw him. And so out of the billions and billions of people, well, really, add lots more billions when you think of everyone who's lived since Christ. It is God that looks at the lives of his creation and he calls some of them to come unto him. And what a privilege it is to receive that call that he's calling each of us. Yet we realize that in, in that call, something has to happen in us. There's something that has to take, in pl- take place. We have to come to the end of ourselves. You know, Each time God calls unto us, it involves surrender. It involves yielding. You know, and to truly know and to follow him, we have to give, give up of our own will and Take on his will. I was listening um, to an old recording of Pastor Bailey. It was actually up on the way to convention. One of, I don't, who knows how long ago it was recorded. But uh, he mentioned something I hadn't really thought of before. And I like studying the Tabernacle of Moses and speaks of three different phases of the Christian life levels and of way of following him, of maturity and so forth. And he was sharing that there are three ways that we can know the Lord. The first as a believer, the second as a servant, and the third as a friend. 
You know, in the outer court, when we first come to know him, you know, we believe in him. He's our savior. And he brings us like the little lamb, you know, into his pastures and he protects us. But then as we go on to know him in the holy place, we become his servant, doing his will, ministering to him in the word, in the spirit, in prayer. And he uses us to accomplish his will. But that's not how it's to remain, is it? He's calling us on to know him as a friend, just like Father Abraham. Abraham was not just the servant of God that did his will to establish a nation, but God says, he's my friend. Abraham, the friend of God. And that's God's calling to us. Come near unto me. Allow me to build in your life. Yield your will to me, and I will be your friend. I'll bring you to that place of knowing me. And what a marvelous invitation that the creator of all of the universe is calling us to be his friend, to know him so intimately. But we realize some things need to be done within our hearts, within our minds. They have to be renewed and so forth. And you know, we might even have to come to the place where the Lord is saying, how long are you going to try to have it both ways? If I'm God, then follow me. And we have to pray, Lord, help me to come to the end of myself. Sometimes we got to really cry out. It's not just, a, it's not just like a snap decision because there's a, a struggle and a battle going on. But God can, is more than able to empower us to be the sheep of his hand. Today, if you'll hear his voice, don't harden your heart and keep going that way because that way is just difficulty. But he is the good shepherd. He can lead us straight on into the barn or into the sheep pen, you could say. We won't be like those naughty sheep that don't, you know, the, what happens to sheep, naughty sheep is the sheepdog has to go out and chase them round and round till they obey. But as we become his servants, like David, Lord, I delight to do your will. You know, Acts 13 and verse 22. God found David, who it says, is a man after my own heart. And why was that? Because he fulfilled all my will. David was a servant who became a friend of God. And that's what God is calling us to, to come near, to allow him to build. And as we become his servants, And learn to say, Lord, I delight to do what pleases you. I delight to do what you are asking of me. Because in doing that, it's the pathway to becoming his friend. And to knowing him and to hearing his voice. And Father, we thank you. Thank you that you're calling us today to know you as the good shepherd. But Lord, also as a friend. Lord, that's our desire Oh, God, would you work within us? Lord, we even acknowledge that, Lord, there's areas in our lives at times where, Lord, there's resistance or sometimes we're just going our own way. But, Lord, I cry out to you. Lord, we cry out to you today. Lord, would you just work afresh? Oh, Lord, bring us to the end of, our, of ourselves that we could come unto you to submit to you, to surrender to your will in our lives, to follow you, to be the sheep of your pasture. 
and that you'll lead us into good places. Oh, Lord, we want to know you and to follow you and to be your friends for all eternity. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you.